Section 32 of The House Behind the Cedars. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White. The House Behind the Cedars by Charles W. Chestnut. Section 32 The Power of Love. After Tryon's failure to obtain an interview with Rena through Plato's connivance, he decided upon a different course of procedure. In a few days her school term would be finished. He was not less desirous to see her, was indeed as much more eager as opposition would be likely to make a very young man who was accustomed to having his own way and whose heart, as he had discovered, was more deeply and permanently involved than he had imagined. His present plan was to wait until the end of the school. Then, when Rena went to Clinton on the Saturday or Monday to draw her salary for the month, he would see her in the town, or, if necessary, would follow her to Patesville. No power on earth should keep him from her long, but he had no desire to interfere, in any way, with the duty which she owed to others. When the school was over and her work completed, then he would have his innings. Writing letters was too unsatisfactory a method of communication. He must see her face to face. The first of his three days of waiting had passed, when, about ten o'clock on the morning of the second day, which seemed very long in prospect, while driving along the road toward Clinton, he met Plato with a rabbit trap in his hand. "'Well, Plato,' he asked, "'why are you absent from the classic shades of the academy today?' Howdy, Mas George. What was that you say? Why are you not at school today? Ain't got no teacher, Mas George. Teacher's gone. Gone? exclaimed Tryon with a sudden leap of the heart. Gone where? What do you mean? Teacher got lost in the swamp night before last, cause Plato wasn't there to show it away out in the woods. Elder Johnson found her with dogs and torches and fotch her home and put her to bed no school yesterday she was out in her head last night and this morning she was gone gone where they don't nobody know where sir leaving plato abruptly tryon hastened down the road toward elder johnson's cabin this was no time to stand on punctilio the girl had been lost in the woods in the storm amid the thunder and lightning and the pouring rain. She was sick with fright and exposure, and he was the cause of it all. Bribery, corruption, and falsehood had brought punishment in their train, and the innocent had suffered while the guilty escaped. He must learn at once what had become of her. Reaching Elder Johnson's house, he drew up by the front fence and gave the customary halloa, which summoned a woman to the door. "'Good morning,' he said, nodding unconsciously, with the careless politeness of a gentleman to his inferiors. "'I'm Mr. Tryon. I have come to inquire about the sick teacher.' "'Why, sir,' the woman replied respectfully, "'she got lost in the woods night before last, and she was out in her mind most of the time yesterday. Last night she must have got out of her bed and run away when everybody was sound asleep. But this morning she was gone.' and none of us knows where she is. Has any search been made for her? 
Yes, sir. My husband and the children has been hunting round all the morning, and he's gone to borrow a horse now to go further. But Lord knows there ain't no telling where she'd go, lessen she got her mind back since she left. Trion's mare was in good condition. He had money in his pocket and nothing to interfere with his movements. He set out immediately on the road to Patesville, keeping a lookout by the roadside and stopping each person he met to inquire if a young woman, apparently ill, had been seen traveling along the road on foot. No one had met such a traveler. When he had gone two or three miles, he drove through a shallow branch that crossed the road. The splashing of his horse's hoofs in the water prevented him from hearing a low groan that came from the woods by the roadside. He drove on, making inquiries at each farmhouse and of every person whom he encountered. Shortly after crossing the branch, he met a young negro with a cartload of tubs and buckets and piggins, and asked him if he had seen on the road a young white woman with dark eyes and hair, apparently sick or demented. The young man answered in the negative, and Trion pushed forward anxiously. At noon he stopped at a farmhouse and swallowed a hasty meal. His inquiries here elicited no information, and he was just leaving when a young man came in late to dinner and stated, in response to the usual question, that he had met, some two hours before, a young woman who answered Trion's description on the Lillington Road, which crossed the main road to Patesville, a short distance beyond the farmhouse. He had spoken to the woman. At first she had paid no heed to his question. When addressed a second time, she had answered in a rambling and disconnected way, which indicated to his mind that there was something wrong with her. Trion thanked his informant and hastened to the Lillington Road. Stopping as before to inquire, he followed the woman for several hours, each mile of the distance taking him farther away from Patesville. From time to time he heard of the woman. Toward nightfall he found her. She was white enough with the sallowness of the sandhill poor white. She was still young, perhaps, but poverty and a hard life made her look older than she ought. She was not fair, and she was not Rena. When Trion came up to her, she was sitting on the door-sill of a miserable cabin, and held in her hand a bottle, the contents of which had never paid any revenue tax. She had walked twenty miles that day, and had beguiled the tedium of the journey by occasional potations which probably accounted for the incoherency of speech which several of those who met her had observed. When Trion drew near, she tendered him the bottle with tipsy cordiality. He turned in disgust, and retraced his steps to the Patesville Road, which he did not reach until nightfall. As it was too dark to prosecute the search with any chance of success, he secured lodging for the night, intending to resume his quest early in the morning. End of section 32 Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista